Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, Koshi here with a small favour. Each year we run a subscriber survey to help us understand our audience and what we can do to help you be a better investor. I'd love you to fill it out. You can find it at osbiz.co.survey or follow the link in the program notes. To sweeten the deal, there are some great prizes on offer, including lunch with the Osbiz experts. Thanks for doing that. Now enjoy the call. Well, hello and a warm welcome to you. This is The Call, 10 companies picked by you to expert guests over the course of an hour. It is Monday, the 14th of March. I'm Nadine Blaney, just sitting in for David Kosh. Now, our two experts on today's show here for the full hour and joining me in studio, which is always good, Nathan Samasandram from Deep Data Analytics and Gaurav Sodhi from The Intelligent Investor. Hello to you. Hello to you. Hi, Nadine. Hey, mate. Yeah, it's good to be back. You've reached peak, it may be different this time, on your Twitter feed. Um, how concerned are you about the state of global markets right now? Oh, look, it's amazing how, you know, yes, it has come back a lot, but it's amazing how well it's held given the macro noise that's out there. But, you know, I remember we were talking about inflation probably about a year and a half ago mm. when our numbers would started to tell us. And the market accepted it probably about a year ago. And yet, we are still doing pretty good compared to the numbers because now it's real. We're seeing the cost go up and all of these things. And you've got a war going. We've got sanctions everywhere. And you go, wow, the market's done amazingly well. Well, just think about that. all the things that could potentially go wrong. You know, inflation, <laughs> exactly. war, pestilence, floods. See, uh, I actually, I actually we've expect, got it all. We've yeah, got it all. I actually expected yeah. war. High that interest was a joke, right? Well. So I just went... If all of these things play out like what I think it's going to play out, it's a logical thing for politicians to go create a war because you can blame someone, right? So it was a natural transition, but to actually have that happen, you go, oh. Well, apparently wars do follow pandemics. And also, I think that you guys might know more about behavioral psychology than I do, but I feel like everybody's quite fragile as well. You know, we've been through such a long period. You get weak economy, you get any kind of pandemic that creates bigger structural problems mm. and the political answer is to create war mm-hmm. because it's a natural stimulus you spend money on war you blame someone else so it's naturally happens but you know it's it's a, maybe because it's the human thing in all of us we know that could happen but when it happens you go wow did not see that coming well because it's awful as well but yeah. i mean consumer confidence yes is so key and i thought it was really interesting a couple of weeks ago i saw a survey out that showed that Americans, general Americans, think that the economy is in the dumps, mm. the jobs aren't going well, mm. um, when it's the opposite, really. Mm. The economy is hot, mm. you know, the jobs market is hot, and um, it, yeah, so all of that sort of feeds into how we feel mm. about markets. Um, before we get too touchy-feely uh, for our viewers, let's move on from that, because I think it's, it's just a bit of a lead-in um, to our stock of the day. First, though, to keep you interested, New Hope Coal will be discussed, Whitehaven Coal, yep, Gaurav and Nathan are here, <laughs> Nanasonic's Webjet and Omni Bridgeway. But to my point about stock of the day, we had a great viewer question come in over the weekend from Rob. I hope you're listening or watching Rob. He asks, with the substantial rise in oil prices fanning inflation, all further complicated by the disruption caused by Russia's brutal invasion of Ukraine, it appears that the scene is being set for the global economy to fall into recession. He writes, while no one can predict the future, it seems to me that the signs are ominous. I would therefore love to hear from your experts. What are the characteristics to look for in stocks that make them recession proof? And in doing so, what stock would you choose to withstand the buffeting from any recession or severe economic downturn? So, Nathan, Gaurav, Gaurav, I'll start with you. Hmm. What is a recession proof stock? And why? 
Look, I understand the sentiment behind the question and there's nothing wrong with the logic, but experience tells me that um, this is the wrong way to think about investing and the wrong way to go about investing. Um, you know, the concept of investing is putting capital at risk for a return in the future. Risk is embedded in the entire enterprise and maybe there's a recession coming, maybe there's not. I, I think the ambiguity of the viewer is really important and intelligent um, because we don't know what the future brings. But I think if you're going to try and react to every market turn, you're going to have a very difficult life as an investor psych psychologically and you're going to have, I don't think, a very successful life as an investor financially. We can't be here to react to every turn in the markets every time they happen. I think we've got to have a long-term strategy and importantly, um, you've got to be optimistic. If you are not an optimistic person, I don't think the markets are for you. I specifically don't think the share market is for you. That's where bonds go. Right. <laughs> if you're a miserable person, go buy bonds. Because you're not going to make any money on the bonds. <laughs> yeah, but um, you won't lose money either. And, and I think that's the point, um, yeah. that we can't expect to outperform over the long term without being prepared to underperform over periods of time. And it may well be that the next year or two, everyone's portfolios will underperform. That is the price of outperformance over the long term. The, the, the difficulty here, the challenge here is to stay the course, is to look through what's going to be a hard period and continuing doing what has been working for a very long time, which is just buying, um, buying mispriced bets, buying good businesses at attractive valuations, um, and being comfortable with buying those things uh, with your personality in mind. So if you're not the kind of person like cyclical businesses, then don't do it. If you're not the kind of person who wants to pay high prices, then don't do it. You have to be, your style has to reflect the person you are, but you have to maintain that style, I think, through up and down. I think this idea of changing your investment style during recessions, playing defense when everyone else is playing defense is not the right way to go. Um, and I think it harms um, investors over the long term. There's been plenty of academic study to show that the average fund manager does way better, or the average fund, I should say, mm -hmm. sorry, the average fund does much better than the average participant in that fund because those people cash in and cash out, trying to time the market and always get it horribly wrong. So I'll give you a recessionary, I'll, I'll play along nicely. No, no, well, so um, then give me a company yeah. that you think is mispriced right now and that you can find opportunity for the long term. I'll make up a stock of the day question for you, Laura. <laughs> <laughs> well, for, for, the, for, the, um, for the sake of the viewer, I will mention Woolies. I think this is probably the safest business we have on the ASX. I don't think it's crazily priced at the moment. So if you really have a low risk profile, okay. you want normal returns from yeah. the market, then Woolies is, is, a, is a sensible bet at the moment. Um, look, I've been a broken record for the past two years, Nadine, mm -hmm. about coal stocks and energy. And um, look, I think we're going to talk about them in yeah, a moment, yeah. um, so I'll leave my comments for them. But, but I think there are better opportunities right now for those willing to take on a little bit of risk. And running away from risk at the moment may not be the most sensible course of action. Got it. Well, I know that you would agree with Woolworths, um, Nathan, as being one of those companies mm. that is uh, steady as she goes performer. Safety in that? Yeah. How it's a it's an inflation hedge. It's a yeah. safety hedge. You're going to buy food, and they pass on the cost, so they can hold their margin better. They can push down producers to take on the cost and give you a deal to get you to come there, like you know Coca-Colas and Tim Tams, which is what I buy a lot. Uh, <laughs> and, and you get a discount every couple of weeks, so you buy the discount. So Woolies is a great business model, and I think last time we. I was on a show yeah, with you, a, Night Watchman, yes, and yeah. we picked Woolworths yeah. as a stock. And I, yeah. and I still think that's probably the best mm -hmm. risk-return value yeah. uh, for that kind of play, um, because it's actually come back a bit, especially with the split out of uh, with Endeavor came out. Um, and I think it's a great stock, I think, yeah, in the market. I disagree with Gaurav, and I, I, I love Gaurav, uh, but I disagree with the concept, but I understand where he's coming mm -hmm. from. He is a fund manager. You cannot be a fund manager with a particular style of investing and be pessimistic. That's like, you know, it's like sitting on a branch and cutting the branch and hoping you don't fall. You're gonna fall, right? <laughs> so you have to have that strategy. So I understand where he's coming from. Yeah. Market timing is always hard, especially we've had a decade of manipulated markets, right? So you, you cannot actually, there is no economic cycle. There is no business cycle. It's just a credit cycle. So it's really tough, but there's always a but. This is a once in 40 year cycle where inflation is coming. They've got it wrong. They always get it wrong. This is the beauty of it. Central banks 
always get it wrong because of Western, Western interest groups, right? And they're doing it again. They've got it wrong. Now everyone's backflipping. Even RBA's backflipped. It's plausible now when it was nothing for two years. ECB did a faster tapering, even though they're a complete mess. So you can see they're in trouble. Inflation's going to get worse. You cannot take away the economic risk when you've got energy prices and food prices jumping by more than 50% in less than 12 months. Now, th these things that people cannot live away from, you have to use it. So the bottom 50, 60% of the population are going to be affected. So will it happen to a recession? Maybe, maybe not. But will markets worry about stagflation and recession risk? Definitely. So you have to have that aspect in your investing and you have to look at stocks that are going to drive through it. I look at it and say, every opportunity gives you an thematic that you can use. Food prices are going to be high. The problem with picking a food thematic is the input cost is going to be high, weather-related issues, all of these things hit you when you're a food producer. Stick to the guys who are providing services to them. To the guys who are in the chemical the sector. The yeah, fertilizers. Yeah. The fertilizers, the businesses that do the trading. So uh, one that I was talking about, I was going to talk about was elders, but it's run too hard today. <laughs> it's up over 10%. And to be fair, you've been on that for a while. Yes, mm. we have been talking about this for a while. Mm. Uh, look, Instech pivot, it's gone oh, back don't to highs. Bring that up. You I just don't. want to. Uh, and Nadine, Neil he's been he's been <laughs> bugging me for months about Instech pivot, and I've been swatting him away, and I just but hated like, that he's been right. You look at new, you look at New Farm again. Yeah. That's trading yeah. at the highs. And Elders today just went to pre GFC mm -hmm. high. Now, Elders. Five, six years ago, it was a basket case. Mm. Yeah. Now it's a much better business. Mm. It's in the right cycle. Mm. Even if you have a peace deal in Ukraine and Russia, it's still going to have effects on the supply side on food for years to come. This is a supply side issue. That was always a problem. The war just made it worse. So in this context, I think, you know, the number of countries, emerging markets are now actually banning exporting of grain products because they're worried about feeding their own people. This is only going to make it worse. Mm -hmm. So the food thematic, I, I know six months ago, everyone, all the analysts were telling me this is peak cycle earnings for elders. Yeah, I'll put my hand yeah. up for that. Yeah, yeah. Every, <laughs> next year will be peak Not cycle, the year after. No, I'm not looking You're going to shine in coal, just, just, every, just sit back. Every six months yeah. is going to be, so I think the food thematic runs well. Okay. It's defended mm. and people will have to eat and people will pay up. So if you're looking for something that's leveraged to inflation mm -hmm. and defensive in a recession, mm. you look at the guys who are helping the farmers. Elders, New Farm, Instec Pivot, solid okay got it thank mm. you guys and i hope that does help you rob thanks for emailing in if you would like us to answer a question for you or try to at least the call at osbiz.com.au now let's go to these stocks on the list from our viewers this comes from steve he's saying i took a full weighting in new hope call about 18 months ago it's now grown to about 10 percent of my portfolio do I take part profit? So this is a question I've been asking in light of these really big commodity price rises. Do you start to trim? Do you start to take your profits or do you let it run a little bit longer? He says, I am comfortable with risk and my gut feeling is to let it run. Nadine, I'm gonna do what you always do and just say, I'm not gonna give personal advice on what, yeah. what to do in your portfolio. But um, I can tell you what I've been doing um, and what we've been doing in the fund. Um, so we've been talking about coal stocks for a long time. We have been buying new coal, new hope coal for oh a good more than 12 months, 18 months. It's a it's a, a reasonable size. Whitehaven as well is a reasonable size. We have not sold any. I have not sold any. My earliest parcel of Whitehaven was at 90 something cents. My last parcel that I bought was at $3.80. It's the largest spread of buying that I think I've ever done. Mm -hmm. That's a, huge. Although CSL, I once bought it at 30 bucks mm -hmm. and then bought it two. 150 bucks. <laughs> okay. so that, that's probably a wider spread, but that's over 10 years. Um, yeah. This is over the course of 12 months, huge spread. And that's because the situation just keeps changing. Now, we don't really want to take coal, spot coal prices and input them in and say, oh, there's X amount of value here and the share price is less than that. Let's go buy in. I think that's a very simplistic way to invest. But look at what's imputed into the, into the share price at the moment. At Whitehaven at four bucks and New Hope at three bucks, and coal prices at 450 US dollars, sort of over 550 Aussie dollars. Um, this is going to be. This is going to sound ridiculous, mm -hmm. but at these coal prices, um, I can get a spot price for Whitehaven about 50 dollars. Um, and you know, I'm not yeah, suggesting right. it's going to go there, but I'm just saying that you only need spot prices to last for six to 12 months 
to earn your market cap back mm -hmm. um, in cash, not in EBITDA, in cash. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, I talked earlier about taking mispriced bets. Mm -hmm. um, well, uh, you know, you've got coal prices really high, very little new capital is going into solving that, um, that, that those high prices. Usually high prices mm -hmm. are the solution to high prices, yeah. but very new, very new levels of capital are going into supply coal. So. I think high prices are here for a bit longer. I don't think $400 is sustainable. Yeah. But in the past, I said coal prices should be between $70 and $100. I now think it's probably going to be over $100 for some time. Okay. And I think, I think this has a bit longer to go. Um, New Hope and Whitehaven are going to pay piles of dividends. Well, That's where I would expect the returns to come from. I don't expect the share prices to run up as yeah. much as you might think. But you'll get your returns back from dividends. I think hold the course here. It's risky to jump in and start buying now, um, just because things happen. You know, Mongolia or China could come out and do something. Russia could do something. You just want to be a bit careful. And position size, look, I won't comment on, on the viewers' position size. We're in the yeah. funds. We have, I think, it's about 5%. Okay. Um, and I'll just leave it at that yeah. and say, you, you have to make your own decision, but be comfortable with the risk. But it, it, these are Thanks still- Thanks for doing my PSA as well. Yeah, well, um, <laughs> I get tired team. of doing it every week. And I will say, let's roll <laughs> yeah. in the second um, stock on the list into this because you've yeah. commented on Whitehaven Coal. Right. You know, yeah. let's just have this yeah. for um, Andrew yeah. as well. Because mm. again, he's saying, is there a sell price when it comes to these companies? So you've sort of answered that there. Mm. What do you think about New Hope and Whitehaven Coal? Mm. Oh, look. You know, it's one thing I have learned time and time again, when Gaurav talks about commodities and mispriced stocks in a commodity sector, I pay attention. Yeah. Because I don't tell him because otherwise... <laughs> no, you don't tell yeah. me. That's, that's <laughs> the like fun it. being <laughs> that. Yeah, I know. It's, a, it's head might get even bigger. Uh, but, but the reality is you can, you know, it's like the classic FMG story. When you explain the whole concept of why it's got the discount because the market thinks that's forever, uh, and then when that changes, that changes it dramatically. So that's where you're the whole thematic works. And the, the other thing that you learn about most of these commodities, everyone's a leveraged dog till they're not. Because when you've got cash flow coming in, yep. they suddenly go from leveraged, you know, yeah. pandemic stock to cash generating, dividend paying, solid stock. That's a really important stock. point, actually. That yeah. flip in dynamics, mm. it always hits investors about six months after the event. Mm. You go, oh, that happened. And that's one of those lessons that you have to learn and you appreciate it. So. Do I think call is the answer in the future? No, it's a ESG problem. Yes, um, is someone going to suddenly go out and drill, you know, find more call uh, mines? No, um, those things are going to be a lot harder. A lot of people are shutting down. So the thematic for these guys are interesting. Now, Gaurav's right. They've actually had a pretty good run. The way I would look at is around September, both of these stocks peaked, and then they had the pullback. We were on the call in, in somewhere when it had the pullback. And we suggested that that stock should Whitehaven should go into the um, model portfolio. Now, it's had a pretty good run up. Now, the thing that you got to remember is analysts will not do spot because of the risk in their yeah. inherent model for good reasons. Yeah, that, and then yeah. that's logical, yeah. right? So you cannot sit there and say, oh, if, because spot price is here, it should be ten dollars. Correct. That is not the case. Mm -hmm. It will never go there. It, what it's got now is what the market has discounted for the long-term risk. Uh, in the short-term cash flow model. So you've got to look at every, every dog has a price. So in this context, Gaurav's right. I would be looking at this and saying, if the uh, investor wants to buy it now, it's a tough sell because you're buying basically a yield stock. That's what you're buying right now. Because the market knows, it's not like it's a surprise now, mm -hmm. right? All the dynamics are open for everyone to see. But if you bought it when it had the pullback or late last year, you were buying the upside. Now that's what you've had. So, you know, it's gone from what? Whitehaven's gone from 240 odd to now over $4. So you had the capital appreciation. Now, in this particular uh, case, he's done well. He's had the run up. So I would look at it and say, where would my stop loss be? Well, when the market loses interest, I would look at the previous peak, got to 360. I'd put a stop loss there and I'll hold it. Because you've done well, you've got a buffer. You're not going to lose a lot. If it comes back below the 360, I dump and run, right? Till then, I'm happy to hold it because this thing is going to turn from an ugly duck thing into a swan on a cash flow basis. So you've got that protection. Now, so it's not going to get hammered in the short term. But Graham's also right. China is holding two, three-year high uh, stockpile on iron ore and coal. I don't know what is happening here. 
prices are too high for the stockpile. That's why I'm a bit worried. Mm -hmm. And you know, I know Indonesia is talking about restricting supply and all that, but China has already got a fair amount, right? So at some point, we might see these things come off quite quickly. Mm. And when they come off, they come off fast. And the funny part about it, share prices take a long time to go up. <laughs> they go up in an escalator, they come down in a lift. So that's where you've got to be careful. Yeah. So you've got to manage your risk. So if you've done well, I'd say put your stop loss at your peak prices around September, October. If it goes below there, I'm out. Managing then, risk I'm holding. is key. But keep in mind that every week that coal prices stay at spot, um, these yeah. things are just um, making tens of millions of dollars of free cash flow a week. Their balance sheets are clean, they're operating um, reasonably well, and cash flow is just building. So we, it's quite, I can envisage a scenario six months from now, so Whitehaven is going to have an absolute ripper second half mm -hmm. result. And um, I, I think it's the market's going to be but surprised if it's, by if how it much stays, cash flow is coming If through. it stays around the current prices, you stay on. Yeah. Because you'll pick up the dividends. The thing to remember is don't get attracted by the dividend and yeah. lose tr track of yeah, the fair. total return. Yeah. If your share prices, if mm. the market thinks that the core prices are not going to hold up and they've had a huge run, then you'll lose the total return. So that's the risk return. So set a level where you get out. And I would look at the September, October peak for both of them. When that breaks, then I know the sentiment's broken. Now, other than that, I think the business, you know, it might not be the sexy ESG play, but it's going to churn out cash. So I'm happy to hold it till the sentiment I breaks. speak to other fundies about this idea and they all agree unanimously um, that it is cheap and it makes sense. And some of them buy on their personal accounts, but almost unanimous, and unanimously, every fund manager I speak to says we can't buy this mm -hmm. because yeah. clients ESG. get annoyed and ESG. We just and heard Fidelity yeah. today. That's music that's music the to my ears. It is, yeah. but it, that is the biggest problem in seeing the massive re-rating that everyone thinks is going to happen. Yeah. It's just not going to happen. That's what I'm saying. I, I think returns are going to come from dividends rather than share prices. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Love that conversation, guys. We've got to move on, though, to yes. get to AJ's <laughs> pick, which is Nanasonics. Mm. Um, given the recent announcements coming from the company, so mm. sharp drop in profits for the second half. Mm. It's going to be dropping GE as its sales distributor in the United States, and it will be going direct to market. So is that a sound strategy for Nanasonics? Nathan, do you like the stock? Uh, look, I used to love it years ago. It was, I think I bought it for 70 cents or something and it went up to a dollar. I thought, genius, get out. Three weeks later, they get into the hospitals, boom, it ran about three times. And you go, wow, you knew it was good. You knew the management was good at doing what they did, and, but you just thought it would take longer to get into the hospital system. But once they got in, they can get other products in. Now, this is an interesting one because it's a growth story. It's priced at insane multiples, yeah. right? So it's come off a fair bit. But this is the problem I've got with growth stocks. How do you, see like, when you're in peak optimism, mm -hmm. you, you basically value things on uh, price to projected revenue. When you're worried and you're scared, <laughs> you go to price to earnings on reported earnings, mm -hmm. <laughs> not even forecast earnings, on report. Mm -hmm. So that the, the switch is amazing. And, and you can see it in you know, broker research when it comes out and they talk about multiples. They're not talking about projected revenues anymore. Now, this one was trading on projected revenue. They are good, but the multiple is coming off. The market is not on growth stocks. For me, I think the US 10-year bond yield is going to go a lot higher, probably not in the short term, but in the medium term, it'll go a lot higher. It will challenge a lot of growth stocks. So I think it's gonna be harder and harder. But this is one where I keep on the shopping list. And I'm keeping an eye on it because I actually think what they do is interesting. Where, what they've got into, especially in the US, in the hospital system, that is bloody hard to do. Mm. So they can add new products into it. Yes, is that the GE thing is going to be short-term negative? Yes. And the market knows that. So at the moment, it's, 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 the, it's in my list of once were warriors. Uh, you know, it was a great stock. Everyone loved it. Now nobody loves it, right? But it's one of those ones I'm keeping on the shopping list because I want to see if they can show that they can execute revenue, sales, recovery then this thing is back on. Because it is such a hard thing to do and hard thing to get into and sell into hospitals. So it's one on the shopping list, not right now. But you wait but for a turn. Exactly, you want, it's in a downgrade cycle technically and you're waiting for the first upgrade. You do not like downgrade cycles, nor do I. What do you yeah, like? I, don't, I have no problem with downgrade cycles. Um, <laughs> this one, uh, we recommended this like Nathan's sub a dollar years ago, but we sold out around current prices and missed the big blow up, mm -hmm. uh, the blow, blow up, is that right? Uh, the blow higher. Blow yeah, higher, yeah. yeah. That's it. Uh, we missed that. And that's because we couldn't make any sense of the valuation. And I think um, the price hasn't really moved since we last acted on it, but the 
developments inside the business have dramatically changed. Okay. So it's actually come a long, a long way. I, I actually don't think this looks crazy anymore. I think the price is a little bit dear perhaps, but this business is uniquely difficult to analyze because the revenue model, um, it uses several different revenue models. I mean, it's different geographies. I love geographies. that when I'm going through reports. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's really hard. And it just means um, you can't really use a simple PE yeah, okay. or a, an EBITDA multiple. Um, just to say, take a step back, these guys obviously make the, the Trophon units, so it's a yes. disinfection unit, um, and they sell the machines mostly, and then they sell consumables. So you need special inks and um, consumables to put inside the machines to use them, and they provide those as well. So it's a Gillette-style razor blade mm -hmm. model, and it's a wonderful model. Once you get these units in, they have about 30,000 units globally, about 30% of the US market, so they've made really good penetration. Um, they just keep on selling the consumables, and that's actually where they make their margin. Yeah. So really high revenue, high margin, recurring revenue, fantastic business. In some geographies, they lease the upfront um, units. In some geographies, they sell it. In some geographies, they have a subscription plans. In some geographies, they don't. It makes revenue recognition a bit all over the place, mm -hmm. and it makes the multiples hard. So I would be careful about saying this is too expensive or too cheap because multiples are difficult with this business. So we see these days lately where you've got the infotech space, let's call it that, you yeah. know, this tech, this high growth space up 5%, down 5%. Mm. Um, are you comfortable buying Nanasonics if you see the share price get hit? I would act slowly. I don't think this is a, ch this is not a time to back the truck up and take big positions. This is a time for sloth. Mm -hmm. So take your time. I would, I, I'm comfortable making a small position at the moment. Nibble. 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 It's we need to make t-shirts. <laughs> we nibble. Yeah, we just we just lift <laughs> them out. Next Christmas nibble. got my I think ideas. that's right. Yeah. I, I'd be nibbling, okay. but be patient, yeah. and I think this can go lower. So just yeah. just be just be so patient. This is, this is again though a long term a long term view stock for you. It is. Yes. All right, let's go to Webjet, shall we? This mm. is for Sandy. Hi, Sandy. Thanks for watching again. This is not for your personal circumstances. It doesn't matter though. We don't have any sort of details around Sandy and what she wants to do. Mm. Uh, look, it's done pretty well the business at least um, all things considered obviously we know COVID lockdowns everything else but it's got this web beds business that's the key yep. and it's got lots of cash mm. uh, you know I've seen one analyst say that we could see cost out within that business to business um, space and market share gains so mm. do you like Webjet? Now I must say this divides the analysts at Intelligent Investor quite a bit we have really two groups well maybe three groups one group is quite bullish on this stock mm -hmm. and like it and we've actually recommended this before i don't think we've had it in the funds but we've certainly recommended web um webjet during the G oh, during this pandemic period and we've made reasonable money we've sent, hint, sent, since sold it and um and done okay from it um but the, that group of, of analysts actually really like the stock they like the web beds business in particular which um connects to hotel inventory at the back end yeah and provides um, consumers a way to see a whole bunch of hotel inventory um, and, and select from that. It's actually not a bad business. I get the feeling you're in the other camp. I am in the other <laughs> camp. How did you know? I was trying to keep it a surprise, but yes, I am in the other camp. And look, I must admit, I, I think my conviction in the other camp is waning a little bit because I have been wrong about this stock. Um, but I've always viewed this as just a reseller. From my point of view, I think this has actually got quite good management. I like the CEO and, and the management team, um, but they plug into the back end of hotels and they resell them, they collect a reseller margin. Not the strongest business from my point of view. Uh, my colleagues would disagree. They, they think there's a big lock um, in actually physically connecting and having those back end connections mm -hmm. to hotel inventory. I'm not so convinced um, they've raised a lot of capital. So that, that cash position you talk about, that is not because they're generating surplus cash flow, mm -hmm. it's because they've raised a lot of capital. And the valuation makes, I think we're all in agreement that the valuation makes no sense to me at, at this level. I, I think to say that this business is worth more post-pandemic than pre, I think is a big call. I talk about mispriced bets, this is not a mispriced bet. It's quite possible it does well from here, but it's, it's not a bet I'd be interested in making. This is still a sell for me, um, but I, I would highlight there are some analysts who would be happy to hold it at yeah. Intelligent Investor. So okay. it's a controversial All one. All right. Mm. Nathan, weigh in on Webjet, please. Uh, it's, I saw a bit of nodding going yeah, on. Yeah, look, I'll, it's, this is an interesting one because mm. one of the things, and we've spoken about Flight Center, it's similar mm -hmm. in, in the context of valuation, is that it's interesting because both of them issued a lot of shares mm. since the pandemic, a yeah. lot of shares. So I haven't gone to the details of Webjet, but I know in Flight Center, their share capital doubled. What you had in pre-pandemic to post-pandemic is double. So 
technically, pre-pandemic, $40 was peak flight center. Every time it gets to 20 bucks, you've already reached the 40 bucks. Mm. Right. They don't have the dilution. I love that. I mean, how that gets around the accounting rules is just laughable. But share capital has doubled. So the market cap on earnings at 20 bucks for flight center is the same as pre-pandemic. Yeah. It won't get there in theory for three to four years. So you're paying what you paid pre-pandemic for something that you won't get to for three to four years. Yeah, I don't think that works. Same problem with Webjet. I think both of them are a trading stock. The market gets overly pessimistic and then it bashes it down. So when everyone thinks, oh, there's a, um, there's okay, a, new, right, yeah, there's a yeah. new variant, limitation, China locking down, I think over the weekend, China's locking down a few cities and those kind of things, people panic. If that pulls back on that, you've got a trading play because you buy that and these guys are heavily shorted. So these have 10% plus shorting. So they'll have short covering coming through. So when they get too oversold and the reopening cycle, you get the bump. But over the medium to long term, and I say when I say long term, 12 months, I don't see clarity on both of these stocks. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think they're well managed. Mm -hmm. I actually love the CEO of Flight Center. Oh, he's wonderful. But it, isn't yeah, it? but yeah. It's, it's just a bad market for them. Yeah. So it's not just too hard at this point. So I don't think it's worth the risk return, but it's a trading stock. So if they get beaten up, mm -hmm. I, I'm actually happy to trade them for three months for the rebound because people's sentiment on travel, everyone wants to travel, yeah. minute it opens, everyone gets excited, boom. But I don't think this is a high quality business for the macro, that's my worry. So if you're going in right now, it's a 50-50, it doesn't give me a lot. If I can play host for a second, what do you think about corporate travel? Because that's the one I've been looking at with a yeah, bit more, a bit more interest. Yeah, so for me, yeah. the problem with corporate travel is the whole concept of corporate travel, yeah. will that be the yeah. same into the future? I actually think no. Yeah. I don't think people will travel as much. I mean, I've, you know, the amount of, if I zoom anymore, I lose my eyesight, right? The amount of zoom people do. <clears throat> and it's so simple. You can talk to anyone. I mean, I talk to clients who are in their 70s and they all know Zoom, Skype, you know, Google, you're meeting, everything, right? Yeah. And it's not gonna change that dramatically. The change that we've gone through in the last couple of years usually takes, in Australia, we're lazy. It takes us 10 years to get to these things. It's happened, forced upon us. So I don't think globally you're going to get that kind of mm. travel that you had before. The market is not discounting for that. Market thinks that you would just go back to what it was. Um, so I think there is a discount you have to have. I think corporate travel is a pretty good business in the right area but I think the right area is not gonna be as good as what it used to be. So I, that discount for me tells me, now nah, one day I'm gonna wake up and find out that that's true. So mm. I'm not jumping into that. What do you think? I would just balance that view against the fact that corporate travel is the one stock in this sector that has definitively been better. Yeah. It actually deployed capital rather than raise capital and bought a competitor at a really attractive price. It is miles ahead of any international competitor in terms of software integration super well-managed company. Sure. I've been hesitant on this company for a long time because I viewed the margins as too high and over-earning and I thought- And they made back. a lot of acquisitions. And they made a lot of acquisitions. always worry about those. But I think those, we've had enough time now yeah. um, to see that those fears are probably overplayed. I'm not saying I'm buying it now, but the, out of the entire travel industry, corporate travel is one I'm most interested that's in. Interesting. Mm. Yeah, that's that's, I, and we have this, and uh, you know, when I'm out and about lately, which I've been able to do a little bit more, asking mm. people specifically mm. from corporates, do you think you will travel for business again? So far, most mm. say yes. Yeah. Maybe not for coffee meetings in Melbourne. Yeah. But that to do a deal. Yeah. You need to look at people. Yeah. You need to be in Completely the same room agree. with them. I, yeah. Relationships back, are so important. Back in the day, yeah. for a retail broker I was working for, mm. I would literally fly early in the morning to do a <laughs> nine o'clock presentation in mm. Melbourne and then at lunchtime fly back. Yeah. That won't happen. No. And so I think that's the part that for me, when you suck that out, mm. I think it's a, they've proven them still through this cycle to me. But that, if you take that out, that may be about 30, 40% of the market for me. That's what worries me. Okay, let's leave that as food for thought. Let's get to number five on the list, Omni Bridgeway, OBL. Mm. This is for Martin. Uh, it's litigation funding. The share price has been smashed over yes. the past year. Don't is, I know oh, Okay, it. I'll start with you. Don't I know yeah. it. <laughs> so, mispricing opportunity. Yeah. Did you get in too early, it sounds like? Yeah, we've we've held this for a while. It's been a okay. buy for us. Look, it hasn't been a disaster. We've, we've I think we're down 25 
full sale on it. Well, that's not great. It's not Sorry. great. It's not great. Yep. Um, but uh, as I said before, the you know when you're buying something that is misunderstood mm -hmm. and potentially mis mispriced, you can't expect the price to turn around just because you bought it. Yeah. You know, you have the the price of outperformance is short term underperformance, and um, I'm happy to continue buying this one actually. Um, so it's a buy. The, the investment case is. Um, is that this has traditionally been a business that's used its own money to fund um, legal cases, and um, it's got an extremely good track record of, of doing well out of the cases that it picks. This is one of those rare businesses where the value is created by what management doesn't do rather than what management does. You can always um, make your numbers look good by going out and funding a whole lot of cases. These guys have shown remarkable judgment, discipline, and restraint in choosing the right cases to back and have a great track record of winning. Um, so um, I think that's beyond dispute. This is actually getting better now than it has in the past because they're turning it from a funder of using their own balance sheet to using external capital to fund cases. So they're becoming a bit more like a fund manager. Mm -hmm. The money that they raise and deploy into um, litigation, they're actually going to collect annuity fees mm -hmm. from. So the, in the past, we didn't buy this in the past because um, the cash flow was very lumpy um, and the profits would depend on winning cases. So it was a, f a feast or famine kind of um, business. But now, as they raise capital and deploy it, they're going to have a very ste steady uh, flow of revenue coming through. And I think this entire business is going to be repriced as a fund manager. Um, it's going to have cash flow coming in to pay the costs and the extra, um, extra cash they get from winning cases is going to be bonus. Um, and, and I think it's extremely attractively priced. I'd still be buying this. I think it's a, it's a reasonable um, business. Wonderful. Well, not commenting on the company, but thank you for your comments. What do you think, <laughs> Nathan? I'd just like to clarify that. Oh, look, it hurts me to agree. Um, this used to be IMF Bentham. IMF Bentham, that's yeah, it. I know yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And we followed it. I mean, I followed it for years. Uh, management, Graf's right. Management's really good. They, you know, if you've if you, if you got to go play poker, you take these guys with you. <laughs> they bet well. Mm. Uh, and they have a very good track record. Um, what I love about this business is the fact that what it does is completely non-correlated to the economy. Mm -hmm. Actually, it's the, it's actually benefits from weak economy because more people get into trouble and they can sue more people. Yeah, yeah. Um, so in that context, this is a counter-cyclical one. Yeah. So th that's what interests me. So there's a few stocks out there that I keep in the back of my head. It's like, oh, the market looks a bit crappy. Uh, I'm looking for a counter-cyclical. These kind of stocks come up. And the fact that it's underperformed, it's like, oh, this is great. Uh, you know, you lick your lips. And grabs right again on the fact that the model is evolving. So it's a better model now, but the market is not paying for it because... Yeah, that, that's key because yeah. the, the market can be... market's very good at digesting new information and pricing it in. When something changes, I think the mar market's can be quite slow sometimes mm -hmm. to change it, it the It should first ask questions later. Yeah. And, and in, a, in a dicey market, that's always the case, especially in the smaller caps. And for this one... The thing that benefited is also the bad thing because what people loved about it is because it's lumpy, suddenly you get this massive you know, upgrade and everyone goes, whoa, stock goes ding, and then it goes <laughs> ding. And so you get that volatility. It's a great yeah. trading stock. But the way the model is evolving, you're gonna get much more, uh, I suppose much less volatility mm -hmm. uh, and more dependability. So I think it's a- So it's, it's down 9.6% um, over the past six months, say it's at three dollars thirty today. Would you buy it today, confidently? Yeah, I look. I would be buying this one, um, and I would not look at it for six months. Okay, uh, it's going to be choppy, yeah. but you're backing management, and their track record is very good. Mm. So now you're getting the discount for good management. So you know that's what you don't mm. turn away from. Mm. And it's up by close to three percent over the past five days, and it's up again a little bit today. To answer any of those questions that may be coming from our audience. Let's give Gaurav and Nathan a little bit of a break. Let them refresh themselves. Let's get across the first five stocks that we discussed in our stock of the day. We got an agreement on Woolworths as far as a company that is safe as houses, pretty much, through any economic cycle, including the one that potentially is upon us. Maybe, maybe not. In Nathan's words, we'll see recession. But what he does know is that Elders is a very good way to play the food thematic. Perhaps not today, it's had a big run up. So just keep that in mind. So that's re re recession-proof stocks, Elders and Woolworths. New Hope Coal, this is a hold for Gorav. It is a stay the course. He has not sold any, or the funds have not sold any, just for some context. Now, Nathan says that for Whitehaven Coal, for example, you don't need to buy now. 
have a stop loss at $3.60 to get out because of course the questions around New Hope and Whitehaven is should we be selling, should we be trimming, should we be crystallizing some of those profits? Uh, not yet, hang on, there could be more in these share prices according to my expert guests. Now, Nanasonics, that is, um, yeah, I think that that's a buy, but it's an act slowly. Gaurav says be a sloth on this one, but he, he thinks the valuation is actually not that crazy. And um, Gaurav does think that there's more pain to come for this one, so you could get it cheaper, so that is not a buy from him today. Webjet, um, look, it's a sell still for Gaurav. When it comes to the whole macro environment for this one, Webjet macro matters. So Gore, uh, Nathan sorry, only sees this as a trading stock. It will get smashed potentially if we hear about another um, Omicron wave or variant. Uh, you know, it's still all about COVID and borders. But I think both of them quite liked corporate travel management. It's not a buy though today. Omni Bridgeway, it is a buy. It's a buy from both of my guests that will be put forward to the investment committee, Get in which we'll meet toward the end of the month. Nathan is a member of that. So what happens in the portfolio uh, so far? So the investment committee met last month. They've decided to start this fund with BHP, Macquarie, Mineral Resources, Steadfast Group, Aristocrat Leisure, Audinate, CSL, Next DC, and Universal Stores. Half units of Qantas and Frontier Digital Ventures, 20% is held in cash right now. So they're going to meet toward the end of this month to discuss all the buys, holds, and sells from this program. They'll consider the buys and they will decide what will be potentially going in, what will be coming out, if they will be reweighting any of those calls as well. So stick around to see what the investment committee has to say next month, but just you know, keep in mind all of the buy, hold, sells from this program throughout the month. It's not, uh, it, it's not a sort of fool's errand. Uh, it, they will be seriously considered by this investment committee coming up. At CMC, we've been in the game for a while, and although a lot of things have changed, our mentality hasn't. We aim to give experienced traders the best trading experience, like our expert platform with its second-to-none trading tools, plus our pricing is completely transparent. That's why people who've been trading for a long time stay with us for a long time. So if you're serious about trading, switch to the market leader trusted for over 30 years. Trade CFDs your way at cmcmarkets.com. You don't own underlying assets. Consider relevant PDS and TMD or information memorandum for CMC Pro accounts at our website. All right, guys, we're on the clock. Let's get to it. Lend lease. This is for Kevin. Look, it was a pretty dismal report. It's cut its dividend. There's a very big building over there that's yet to be completed, and I can only imagine costs are going up daily. And um, it, of course, I had to deal with a lot of these COVID 19 restrictions. Is Lend lease a company that's been beaten up enough to make it a buy? Yeah, it's ugly. It's ugly. <laughs> it's ugly. Uh, but no, um, not a buy Ooh, for me. Interesting. Uh, for me, the problem is. It's a bad sector, so you, you can see that when the macro improves, you buy them. The, the, I guess it always looks good because the other one is Simic, which is a complete basket case. <laughs> um, and so, mm. you know, literally... But it's being bought out anyways. Yeah, it's yeah. now. That yeah. was the, always the... Up. It's funny how the, the main thematic of Simic was it was going to get bought out, and they waited till it actually got slaughtered before they bought it out. Yeah. So, funny uh, that. Yeah, funny how that plays out. Lendlease, the problem for me is the whole construction cycle. We've had probably one of the best cycles running and we're going into a deleveraging cycle. Rates are going up. Housing construction will slow down inevitably. Costs are going up. Input costs are bloody high and going up. And Rates funnily, are going up. Yeah, and, and funnily enough, you call handyman, now you can actually get tradies. Oh, can you? Yes, can you? yes. Thank you. Thank you. So right. it's starting to, <laughs> starting to get tradies turning up to do work. So in that context, you know, things are starting to slow down. Okay. So. For me, Lendlease looks cheap, but that's because the cycle is weakening. So I would, you know, the thing about turnaround stories, you've got to look at the macro and say, that's improving, so it's got to flow through to the sector, and is this the best play in that sector? I think the sector struggles going forward. I think it's just hard. It's cheap, it looks good, but it might struggle for a period of time. And I'm not there for the struggle. I want to see the numbers pick up. I think that'll take time. I love a good struggle. Yeah, <laughs> we, we own this, and it's, it's, it's a buy as well. Um, Nadine, this is another one we're down probably 10, 15 percent mm -hmm. on, but I'm perfectly happy with that. Um, this is a very complicated business. I, I hasten to add the results were truly awful and it took us, I think this is probably the most complica complex okay. results of reporting mm -hmm. season um, for analysts. And um, this has been a fascinating journey. So for before the year 2000, this was the bluest of blue chip stocks. They had an unbroken 25 year record of rising earnings. 
um, and every portfolio manager loved it. And I, when I was going, when I was learning the, the craft, Lend Lease was mm -hmm. was the blue chip that defined all others. Um, and in the year two thousand, the founder left, or maybe he died. I can't remember, but. Um, the founder left the business and new management took in, uh, came in, they sold off MLC for a good price, they went off overseas, blew up billions of dollars overseas, came back to Australia, bought a mining services business, blew it up. <laughs> and um, it's only now starting to recover from that. So it sold the mining services business, it sold some of its um, overseas ventures. There's a new, there's been a board refresh, new CEO, new CFO, all these are the preconditions of a turnaround. Okay. And this is what you need to see. So the, the, the lousy parts of Lend-Lease have been removed. The people who made those really bad decisions are largely gone. And what you're left with is a core business. It's one of a handful of companies around the world that can redevelop um, urban uh, infrastructure. And so it can take a large area, and Barangaroo is, is a classic example. Docklands in, in Melbourne is a mm -hmm. classic example. They do everything in-house, so they capture development margins, construction margins. Once they finish, they retain a portion of the land, collect annuity fees on it. It's a very impressive model. There's only a handful of companies that can do it, and they have $113 billion of new projects in the okay. pipeline. And are those projects all in Australia? No, they're international. No, I was going to say, because yeah. there's not that many redevelopments of that scope no, to be right. done here. So yeah. that means you're comfortable backing this new management to go overseas and not with the money? Look, it, they've got form. It's certainly a risk, but uh, I've been talking about mispriced bets. bets. Now, now, I think the valuation here is particularly compelling okay. because the um, the... I think what's implied in the share price is future failure. And if they happen to succeed, I think the upside here is quite okay. good. It's potentially, if, one, if you normalize earnings, and we've done a few estimates, this is potentially trading at sort of 10 times earnings or less. Um, and all you need is a small improvement. If, if they actually do well, um, you could uh, quite easily double your I think money the, or the more. The biggest risk in this one, the market is pricing in, yeah. is that most of the big projects around the world are partnerships between multiple construction big big machines yeah. and number of them especially out of China are in serious wobble so yeah all right it's well it's nice to get some disagreement between you mm. two <laughs> to, to, to just you know we're waffling before we get um, too yeah. confused by what's going on let's get on to Nitro software this is for Tammy so result mm. in line annual recurring revenue looking good but it is it's a software business in a um, rising interest rate environment. What do you think, Nathan? Mm. Uh, look, I'll, I'll give you a quick answer. It's a, a tech stock that's in a downgrade cycle. Mm. That's all we need to know you know, from Nathan? Yeah, not now. Why? Um, what do you think? Yeah, it's an interesting business. I like management, good product suite, um, but I agree, very powerful competitors who are now getting quite, I would suggest, desperate and aggressive. And my concern is those powerful competitors have been happy charging super high prices and going for premium yeah. customers and staying away from Nitro's oh, that, pool. That chart's looking pretty terrible, isn't it? Yeah, so you see terrible, I say, wow, that looks interesting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, um, it's, I never understood the initial run. I was like, <laughs> yeah, wait I must a minute, admit, there's some big yeah. players in this one. How yeah, is this thing? Some big small because it gets one caught up, doing... does it? With yeah, the whole, the, and that's the, the, the thing, stocks. you get in the growth stock yeah. and then you get caught up with it. But okay, so this is now starting to go, oh, wait a minute, Look, they do have a business. And, and management's great. Yeah. And they built this company from very little, and it's a major. You look at the customer list and how much market share they've acquired. Yeah. It's very impressive. I'd say this is one just to keep on your watch list for now. Okay. I like falling knives, but not as much as to, <laughs> this, to catch. I have to now. give it credit there. It's fallen <laughs> yeah. a lot. It has fallen a lot, and yeah. very quickly. Yeah. So it does get your attention on that, and mm. say, okay, if the underlying business is remotely solid there is a chance that you could make decent money, but wait for the first upgrade. Okay, Lumos Diagnostics mm. is next on, next on the list. This is for Steph, LDX is the ticker code. Mm. Uh, so it's all about rat tests, I suppose, when it comes to Lumos right now. Mm. And we've got um, the Victorian government planning to invest big to establish manufacturing capabilities in Victoria for rats. Um, there will come a time that we're past peak rat, though. I, I just got a mental image of a little rat getting <laughs> yeah, in, yeah. getting tested. Rapid and antigen <laughs> test. They're on sale at Aldi. I just yeah, love the, the word. price has been slashed. I just yeah. love the word peak rat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I make things up as I go along. Okay, Lumos, back on track. What do you think, Nathan? Buy, hold, sell. Hmm. Oh, no. Nah. I mean, look, I, I hate IPOs, and I really hate... It worries me when IPOs underperform in the first six months. Yeah. That's, that's a bad sign, and this has done that. Um, yeah, I, I'm not touching it till I see upgrade cycle, and at the moment, that's not the case. 
There's a couple of interesting stocks in this space. Uh, so, Meth, we've talked about rhythm biosciences a yes. little bit, and I think that's quite interesting. Yes. Atomos is quite interesting. Yes. Mm -hmm. I would also classify this as interesting, but I don't really, it's very small. Um, they're not really, I think they're still going through um, stage three approvals in the US. Um, and the narrative here is a bit harder because it's a finger prick um, uh, detection device. And it just, the Theranos um, yes. mess is still, yeah. Look, that shouldn't matter. Um, rationally, that should not matter. But there are some, you don't want to have too many of these little stocks in your portfolio. I tell you, and there are others I when these biotech, health tech stocks become fashionable, yeah. when mining stocks are not fashionable, mm -hmm. it's a risk return bet. So keep an eye on if all the commodities start to fall. I know what you're saying, mate. All the Yahoo's go into mining and the then they punters, come back into. The punters <laughs> will jump because yeah. the blue sky. It's the same risk return. Biotechs right, right now are unloved mm -hmm. because commodities are on fire. Yeah. There's no point in punting in biotechs because the risk return is this not This is the there. place to be then. Then when yeah. it turns, you will see everyone run off. I've seen it decade after decade. When the commodity stocks are not doing anything and yeah. sliding, yeah. biotechs go boom. It's interesting. Well, let's talk about a commodity stock then for Tanya. This is Poseidon Nickel. P-O-S mm. is the ticker code. We know what happened with nickel last week. It mm. went parabolic. Okay. But... We talk a lot about supply-demand fundamentals. Yes, there is you know, this inflationary force because of Russia, because of Ukraine, all the rest of it. But fundamentally, do you like the demand story for nickel? Yeah, look, nickel is one of the hated commodities. Uh, I used to be a big fan. I think when I think we did a, um, for 2021, uh, what's your stock yeah. of it? And mine was IGO because of nickel. And then it became nickel and lithium and, and everything else. And IGO is just, I think it went three times in that year. Mm. Now. That is a high quality play in the nickel space. I think the nickel space does really well uh, because you're not, you're not sticking to a particular solution for the EV. You're looking at nickel that's used overall. So mm -hmm. nickel will be one of the, copper and nickel are gonna play a big part. So I think that plays quite well. Uh, I'm a big fan um, of the overall nickel sector. But you know, when you've got already gone parabolic, <laughs> you're, you're coming late to the cycle. Um, I think, the thing that worries me about commodities is you get inflation and inflation starts to burn consumer spending. Consumer, weaker consumer spending means lower economic growth, then you get lower commodities. Now the problem is we've, we've got that cycle being played out. I think we're going to have a lower um, commodity prices coming in the middle, medium term, short to medium term, and then we'll get the rebalance and then you'll get the real commodity cycle because that'll be demand based and people are building things and so forth. So I'm not jumping in right now into commodities because everyone knows commodities is hot. It's a, the most crowded trade out there. Mm -hmm. So I'm waiting out of it, but I'm looking at it over the next three to six months. I think there will be a window to buy into commodities mm -hmm. and nickel will be on my shopping list. Is Poseidon Nickel a company that you would choose to gain exposure to that thematic through? So when you're looking at nickel, you can get nickel out of a laterite ore or a sulfide ore. Now a sulfide ore just means it's um, relatively simple processing. Latrites are notorious in the industry for complex processing, and no one has really cracked a uniform way of processing them. They, they, every deposit needs its own uniform processing technique. Some people use lots and lots of acids, some people use bacteria. Uh, it's really, really hard. I'm amused to think that nickel has become a green metal, because anyone who's, who's ever seen latrite being processed knows it's a very messy, dirty, dirty process. Mm -hmm. What you want is a nice, easy to process sulfide deposit, these guys have a couple, but none of them are really in the advanced stages yet. This is a business that's not generating enough revenue for me. I'm not interested in, um, in developing deposits. I, th I think it's a very risky game to play, especially at this, this is not the kind, this is not the, <laughs> yeah, the market to be time. playing um, developing deposits, yeah, okay. right? Uh, we own South 32, which is exposed yeah. to nickel and has done wonderfully well. Um, there are others. Um, What's that? Uh, Western areas yeah. is actually uh, but, but a then pretty good you look one. At, and IGO you know, is not bad. Yeah. BHP, Rio, South32, IGO, yeah. Minres. They're the most diversified miners yeah. out there. And you buy that five yeah. and you cover just about everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah that was a question I was sort of putting out there last yeah. week, is that every explorer is now putting out market releases about their exposure to nickel, to lithium, to uranium yeah. as well. Yeah. But you do you want to be with an explorer or do you want to be with the producer that yeah. already has offtake agreements? You, you, got, you, got to, you got to go to the guy who's producing because yeah. he's going to benefit from it. Explorers, two, three years down the, the cycle, who knows, mm. right? Mm -hmm. So you, you want the guy who's benefiting from the cycle now. And the big boys, they're diversified and they have fair amount of exposure in a lot of these. 
So for me, it's like if you're thinking nickel, you just buy IGO. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I just be careful about picking commodities. You know, I, it, it sounds so wonderful. I want exposure to this commodity and. and like how many people get that call right? I've been doing this for ten years. I don't get that. Call. I don't even try to make those calls. You know, I, I think just be um, be realistic about what you can predict. I mean, what's your basis for saying nickel? If it's demand, well, supply catches up to demand. I think the the, the way we make money out of commodities is to um, is to zag when others zig. It's to look for something that's really beaten down or something the market has misunderstood or mispriced, and that's not nickel now. I'm in no rush to go buy nickel stocks. In fact, this is probably the time to start trimming your nickel. Nickel. Well, thank you, Tanya. That's for you. Jesse is last on the list with Wise Tech Global. So it has been an acquisitive model so far. It took mm. a little bit of a pause, right? But now uh, we're talking about. I think Morgan Stanley said in the region of one billion dollars to spend on bolt-on acquisitions. But then again, we are in this rising interest rate environment. So what do you make of WiseTech? Yeah, it's, it, it, it's a, a quiet test. It's a bit like corporate travel. It went mm. through the short story, right. all of that <laughs> accounting <test>. problems. <laughs> uh, so it's had these issues. Um, I think it's, look, at the end of the day, they made a lot of acquisitions. Some didn't work mm. out. Most of them did. Uh, they're about land grab and they've done that well. And I think it works quite well. But the macro of the amount of stuff moving around is at the end of the day, it's a logistics company. Um, so in that context, if you look at Baltic Dry Index, collapsed. If you look at North American um, um, freight index, they're all coming off. Mm. So freight's slowing down with what's happening in geopolitics, inflation, cost of travel, all of those things. So I have a funny feeling the macro isn't going to be great, um, and I think it'll get dragged by it. Mm. It's as, I think in, in the sector, this is one of the better players, but when the macro go against you, why do you take the play? And I wonder if the counter argument to that is that if we're having all this supply chain risk mm. and they help companies manage yes. logistics, yes. then they also potentially solve those supply chain problems. Yeah, that's a good point. I think there's, um, there's a fair argument to be made there. But the real big picture for this stock is, is really about um, con is having a winner-takes-all solution to global logistics. It makes a, at the moment logistics is has um, a collection of disparate IT systems. No one really talks to anyone, and it works, but it works despite all the problems. And there's no real solution um, to everyone being able to communicate and send stuff through smoothly. And uh, Wisetech software is a potential solution to that. If what they're trying to do is 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 have everyone along mm -hmm. the logistics chain adopt it. And then everyone, everyone can speak to everyone. You yeah. can see where everything's going. It makes a lot of sense, actually. And if they can, if they can get, if it can be successful, this is a potential winner-takes-all profit pool. This can be enormously successful if it works. And and that is the question. It's a binary outcome. I think it, it, I'm fine to hold this, but I don't think this is a compelling opportunity. It, at the moment. I think it will do well, mm. but it will not attract the multiple it was attracting before because of the dynamics in the what's happening with US Fed. Okay. Your multiples are gonna be lower, so you're gonna pay a lower price, but it'll still be, I think, will dominate. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's yeah. why, yep, yeah, one last word. I was gonna say, the acquisition strategy, everyone thinks they're bolting on all these things. What they're doing is just launching little beachheads because um, every logistics jurisdiction has its own laws and its own rules, and you need someone there. Yeah. And so that, then I don't think they're gonna go out and spend a billion dollars in acquisitions. Okay. That's not what they're trying to do. All right, yeah. all right, sorry guys, I'm just gonna wrap it up. Yeah. Mm. So Lend-Lease, well this is an interesting one. A bit of disagreement here. It is a buy for Gaurav. He sees the mispricing there. It's a no for Nathan. He sees the cycle weakening going forward. Nitro Software, it's on Gaurav's watch list. It's starting to look interesting because it's so cheap right now and he likes the management. It's not a buy though for Nathan. It's in a downgrade cycle. He does not buy companies when they're in a downgrade cycle. Lumos Diagnostics, not on the buy list. He just hates IPOs, particularly <laughs> ones that don't do very well in the first six months. Six months. Wait for an upgrade cycle. And um, yeah, Gaurav says that it could be sort of falling under the dark cloud that was Theranos, and we all know what that story was. Um, so look, Gaurav's not rushing out to buy nickel. In fact, he says now might be the time to trim if you're holding a nickel company already. Uh, Nathan agrees, he's waiting. It, commodity prices are a cycle, right? Uh, while nickel is good, it's in demand. Lower commodity prices are coming. WiseTech, you just heard them discuss it. You don't need me to say it again. Uh, listen, guys, that was really good. Thank you so much. Nice, nice to, to see you both. Deep Data Analytics, <laughs> Gaurav Sodi from mm. The Intelligent Investor. If you would like to ask a question, 
email the call at ausbiz.com.au. You can check out that portfolio as always at ausbiz.co forward slash portfolio. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.